0: Welcome back to the Red Dice Stories RPG podcast with John and Hannah. Hi. Now, you may have thought that a cloak was just a garment going back to Roman times or a handy piece of travelling gear. But if you're not careful, you might get a bit more than you bargained for. Today, we're going to be looking at the cloaker. okay so starting off as we have been doing previously with the first edition AD&D monster manual 2 in it the cloaker is described as a shadow dwelling unearthly creature it's a very rare monster that's encountered in deep dark caverns which is described as having alien entirely in human thought processes it's described as bearing a striking resemblance to a cloak but it has like a mouth and eyes on the inside of it which i've got to be honest love that seemed a bit of an odd idea for camouflage for like the underdark to me now mm-hmm. I, I don't know i mean maybe the drow and the Darrow and the mm-hmm. Durgar and whatever have got a mat on for cloaks i don't know but it just seems a bit odd you'd come across a cloak
1: See, I always thought of it as being a creature that was kind of like um, a cuttlefish in its capabilities of hiding. And it's just discovered that if it looks like a fancy cloak, then humans all come and like, poke at it. And then it can eat them. Sounds sounds a bit spurious. Intelligence. I mean, what's its stat in the
0: first edition? Yeah, but it's described as being like entirely alien in its thought process. Well, thinking, oh, I look a bit like a cloak. I'll go and I'll go and hijack somebody. Doesn't really sound entirely alien to me. It sounds pretty human.
1: Yeah, but I've seen pictures of cuttlefish in like experimental tanks playing um, tic tac toe to get food. If a couple of times, you hide and you look like the thing that you're next to and it happens to be a piece of fabric. And you realise that humans aren't frightened of fabric. And they walk right up to it and pick it up and pretty much put their mouth... Like, uh, put again, their mouth see, on. It
0: seems an unlikely circumstance in the Underdark. But... Maybe I'm wrong. Like I say, maybe the drow have got a madam for cloaks. I don't know. Um, One of the main attacks of the cloaker is that they fly towards foes and they sort of wrap them up and then they can bite them with their mouth on the inside. Mm -hmm. Any attacks that someone does against the cloaker while they've wrapped up a victim does half that damage to the victim as well. They can emit an unearthly moaning, which causes a minus two penalty to those who hear it. And as it rises in intensity, it causes various other magical effects, such as fear and the, the stinking cloud effect. It can manipulate shadows, gaining plus one AC bonus when in shadow, unless a light spell is cast on it, which also blinds the cloaker. The artwork's okay. I mean, it's black and white. Does the job. It's nothing special. I mean, it's a sheep with mouth and eyes. You know, what would you expect? Mm-hmm. But um, why don't you tell us a bit about the AD&D Second Ed Monster Manual, love.
1: So, it's one of the iconic creatures from the Second Ed Monster Manual, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah. Because it's just, as you say, so weird and so unlikely. And I think every 14-year-old GM wants to, like, populate
0: a dungeon with creatures like this. Yeah. And, yeah... I mean, it strikes me very much as well that the artwork is much improved in this because it still looks like a cloak, which they Mm -hmm. sort of get away from in later editions, but we'll talk about that in a bit. It very much looks like a cloak, but it's more animated, it's more dynamic, Mm -hmm. and obviously there's colour on it as well, which helps it sort of stand out. So that's pretty cool.
1: So we get a brief rundown of the description, which again is very similar It's got these uh, two rows of spots down its back that look a lot like buttons. It's got these claws that look a lot like a clasp. It's going to remain still unless it needs to move. So it's going to pass for a cloak. You have to assume with that sort of level of intelligence
0: that it's doing that on purpose. Yeah. I think as well, we, we get some clarification in that on like various little bits of it just get like sort of tweaked and tuned up a bit Mm -hmm. like um, you get the clarification that when a foe's wrapped up the cloaker automatically does damage to them each turn afterwards Mm -hmm. you don't have to roll to hit them which is nice just to have it like all written down in black and white yeah
1: Uh, as with many bits of second ed stuff when they do clarify combat it makes a lot more sense than first
0: ed usually one thing i did notice about the cloaker in the second ed monster manual though Mm -hmm. is that Unlike a lot of creatures, there doesn't seem to be much additional ecology information?
1: No. um, It's got a lot of combat section compared to a lot of the other pages in this book to clarify the things you were mentioning. But also, I think keeping it really short and saying, no, it's virtually impossible to communicate with them we don't know anything about their society, and we think they might be asexual.
0: Yeah, I mean, the only thing that really seems to tell you is that they're they're very alien creatures, and mm-hmm. the like only mages have specifically spent years and years trying to wrap their head around their thought processes, and have made an intense study of them. Can even like contemplate Mm -hmm. communicating with them which i suppose good in a way because it leaves you free to do what you want with them and it does make them seem a bit more alien but it also doesn't really give you a lot to go on other than like here's what they're like in combat
1: i think also that prevents you from unless you want to have like a really high level villain uh mage you can't have your characters talking to the Cloakers. No, no, it's not Um, feasible, is it? Yeah, I think it sort of helps keep them alien to have such a weird
0: creature as this. Mm. So, moving on to the D&D 3.5 Monster Manual. You can see they've definitely tried to make the monster look less Mm -hmm. goofy in this. Although in the previous versions it actually looked like a cloak now to me that looks like a stingray sort of dealio Mm -hmm. and it looks pretty cool and it's menacing and it's alien but it doesn't look like a cloak now that might just be the angle it's at but the other ones they even like the sort of like the fairly basic sort of first edition one you looked at it you were like oh it's called cloaker looks like a cloak it was like an instant thing you could see whereas i don't look at that and think cloak I look at it and think Stingray, it's, like it devil it's Stingray. Like
1: moving flight position there, though. If it just relaxed its wings and sat on the floor and tucked its tail in underneath.
0: I don't know. It's, uh, maybe, maybe. You know. They get high levels in hide, listen and move silently and spot skills. We're told that they take a cruel amusement in killing people, and they still have these sort of eerie moan. But now the cloaker gets to choose from unnerve fear, nausea, or stupor effects. Again, we don't really gain a great deal more on their sort of uh, their habitat, their society, or whatever. We're just told they have these black eye spots on their back, resembling buttons, and they have the ivory claws. Which look very much like bone clasps, and but when it unfurls, it reveals a horrid mouth underneath, and that they're alien and they have mysterious goals. And that's pretty much all you get within 3.5. So I'm gonna go on to the fourth edition Monster Manual 3 now, which I've got here. So the artwork is clearly based off the 3.5 version of the creature. Again, it looks more fearsome, it's more dynamic, it's sort of mid-flight in an action pose. And again, it looks more to me like an alien stingray, but less like a cloak. But as Hannah said, that might just be because of the like, the attack pose it's in, effectively. We're told they're solitary, cruel creatures that on rare occasions gather together and form together in this massive sphere-like formation we get two sets of stats the ambusher which is the base level cloaker and a cloaker lord which is basically a beefed up version and they have various sort of at will powers which mimic engulfing the foes doing the eerie moan basically just 4th edition versions of the abilities they've got in the previous editions Mm -hmm. to be honest so love what about the latest edition of D&D 5th edition then what does that tell us about them
1: same again pretty much so the artwork on this one the creature's got a much more substantial looking body on it
0: yeah it's got a definite body rather than just being like a a cloak with a mouth on it
1: it's the one that looks most like an actual animal that could exist you know with organs and
0: a skull, and I tell you what else it is.
1: Stuff inside it.
0: I tell you what else it is. The one that looks at least like a fucking cloak. Yep. So, which is ironic, really, because I'm sure it says somewhere that they they're named after their resemblance to cloaks. It specifically says that.
1: Uh, yep, yeah, because they look like dark leathery cloaks.
0: Now, a leather cloak rather than a fabric cloak, again. Now, I think if, if we're talking about any of the previous, like the 3.5 of the fourth edition, I'd probably agree with you. But I think like, the mm-hmm. body shape and the head, particularly is so distinctive. It's previously they've always been described as like the, the mouth and the eyes are set like, into the body of the creature, like mm-hmm. on the inside of the cloak, whereas here it looks to have an actual like distinct head and a separate body with wings.
1: And it also does say further down that its uh, body is composed entirely of cartilage and muscle, which allows it to flatten itself out. Um,
0: but, yeah, it doesn't look particularly... It doesn't make me think cloak <laughs> when I look at it. Yeah, it looks... The most substantial creature, I think. Which, now, don't get me wrong, if we'd gone to 5th edition and we'd looked for a creature and it was called, like, Devil Stingray, I'd mm-hmm. have been like, that artwork's pimp. But when it's called a cloaker, and everyone knows mm-hmm. it's supposed to look like a cloak, that, that artwork, although now, good, doesn't really work for me. These ones go out hunting. Oh, right, OK. Uh,
1: they fly around the Underdark, uh, pursue herds of Underdark beasts and attack the sick the weak or the straggling
0: it's because they're chasing after all them drower cloaks
1: that's what <laughs> it is um, ba- ba- haunting moans same again and it also talks about cloaker conclaves which I think it's just put there to be a tongue twister for me
0: I think that's the sort of like the version of like, you know, when they glom together in this big sphere, although well, it doesn't specifically mention the sphere in fifth edition if I'm correct.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: One thing I did notice when looking at it is they seem to have like toned down the like the mirror image power they had in like the earlier versions. So like here it says they only get like three mirror images of themselves. whereas I think it's D six plus two in like earlier versions.
1: Have you got something to add? very constructive
0: yeah I think again we get virtually no background on them in 5th edition save Mm -hmm. that they're alien and they sometimes get together in these conclaves that you were talking about
1: Yeah, it says that these are probably to exchange information about new dangers suitable hunting grounds or development that might affect their habitats and when
0: it's complete they separate again okay so anything else on the fifth edition nope well now this is a part where normally we're going to talk a bit about how you might potentially use them in games but we've had a few call-ins recently from joe at the hindsightless podcast who i know is a big fan of pathfinder so i've pulled out my copy of the pathfinder first edition bestiary to look up cloakers in and now this one definitely doesn't look like a cloak. That does look like a devil's stingray. But the reason I mm-hmm. like this is because in Pathfinder it just leans into it straight away. It says resembling hideously evil flying manta rays, Cloakers are mysterious and paranoid creatures. So, it doesn't really lean on the whole like cloak thing, but what it does say is it says they can twist their strange shape to allow them to disguise themselves as cloaks, mm-hmm. which I know it's just semantics, but I found that easier to get my head around. It looks like an, a normal sort of manta ray style creature, but it can contort and disguise itself as a cloak. I really like that. It also says in here, which is something I'm going to talk about later, that they can, the stories of cloakers allying with other creatures, hitching a ride on their back, and aiding their allies' protection for their own inscrutable reasons. And a rare few of them are priests of an ancient god so you've got like a, a sort of a bit of a hint at sort of more of a background here mm-hmm. and they've got the whole like rook ton of skills you'd expect for a pathfinder creature so they've got a like, disguise plus 8 plus 16 if they disguise themselves as a cloak fly plus 10 knowledge religion plus 11 mm-hmm. high perception sense motive stealth all of that good stuff and they can disguise themselves really well They can engulf foes which allows them to make grapple checks with bonuses and they can emit the infrasonic moan as a standard action which can either cause fear, nausea, stupor or unnerve people. When they're within dim illumination they can manipulate shadows as a free round to create one of three effects, blur, mirror image or silent image as per the spells. They've got a bite attack and the tail attack that we see in other editions of D&D. And I've gotta say I really quite like the artwork in this, to be honest. It doesn't really look like a cloak, but you know, it I find the fact that they've said it can disguise itself as a cloak, that sort of covers that for me. And I'm a pretty big fan of Pathfinder art, even though I don't really use the books very much, I don't really mm. run Pathfinder. I think the artwork in it is just spot on basically. And it's described as a ray like creature opening a toothy maw and leering with glaring red eyes. Behind it whips a menacing tail of segmented bone. And I like, you find this throughout the bestry, like each monster th- uh, description starts off with just like a little sort of one or two line quote, sort of summing up something about the creature. And I think that's really handy because it gives you like an instant hook into what the creature's about. Okay, so now we've talked a bit about the Pathfinder bestiary, how about we go on to talk a little bit about using them in games?
1: So, obviously, it's a pretty scary idea. You're walking through these big, dark, spooky caves, and then there's this, like, flapping behind you, and this thing that's massive drops down around one of your mates, wraps him up like he's in a big blanket, uh, and then your mate's dead. And now it's coming for you,
0: and so are its mates. Yeah, I think it's another. That, that's a scary monster. I think it's another sort of like trap or like gotcha monster, you know? Like, I mean, to me, it almost seems as if it's designed to like sort of punish players who like. Oh, yeah, absolutely. This is clearly something
1: that at some point was in some like early d dungeon yeah, where the, the DM went. Oh, I'm a bit sick of the tre- The players looting all the treasure
0: instantly from everything. I'm going to put a monster in that looks like treasure. Yeah, it's just like, oh, it is a treasure hoard. And some some person's gone, All oh, right, my character's going to grab this cloak. It looks like it might be magical. And just like bang it on. The GM's like, oh, I'll deal with you. Oh, it's a monster. It's like wrapped around you and it's a texture. And I can see that fits in with the sort of early D&D mood, you know, like death's lurking around every corner. If you don't check your loot or your supplies lots of dangerous stuff could go down and you could lose a character. And I think later editions of D&D, in my opinion, have sort of moved away a bit of that. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if like, the lessening of the cloak as resemblance to its namesake cloak mm. is partly down to that, because the whole like trap monster sort yeah. of like, surprise, it's not treasure, it's a monster that's got mm-hmm. you, isn't really such a big thing anymore. So maybe they thought, oh, it, it doesn't really need to look like a cloak as much now because mm-hmm. it's not being used for the same role. But i tell you what, I do like the idea of the, the interviews later on. I like the idea of those um, Cloaker conclaves that they were talking about. And, you know, sort of like trying to understand them a bit more. I think that's quite cool. I, I think the idea of an alien mindset and trying to sort of unravel and study the purpose of these secret gatherings is quite interesting. Mm-hmm. However, the books don't really give you much of an idea. So you're pretty much on your own with it if you want to, something like that. Yeah.
1: So it mentions that some majors do spend a long, long time studying them and yeah. learning to communicate with them to some degree. It, that's an ideal sort of a patron character to ask your group, first of all, can you go out and find me some cloakers? Where are they? I want to study them secondly can you go and do this thing can you go and do that thing to help me study them
0: I think it's why you've also got potentially like interesting sort of like Cthulhu sort of madness style story Mm -hmm. it's that whole thing of if you're trying to get yourself into the mindset of a completely alien inhuman creature it's that whole like a monster I am less a monster I become sort of deal where like if you sort of like study them too much do you end up sort of adopting the mindset yourself that would be the
1: third beat of that particular story arc when he's able to communicate with
0: them and maybe finds out he shouldn't really have wanted to in the first place now regarding the conclaves I've got like a couple of ideas that I just came up with There's like some random ideas that might perhaps explain them I was thinking like what if the cloakers are all like parts of a hive mind or like a single entity and not mm-hmm. the conclave they're like joining back together or I thought what about if they've got like a great link like the um, Dominion not like the founders mm-hmm. in Deep Space Nine you know, where they all periodically come together to like share memories and stuff like that. I thought that could be quite cool.
1: Yeah, yeah. And you don't have to make
0: Star Trek references to get me to agree with you. Well no, but I just <laughs> thought it's an interesting idea because one of the, one of the things about the Dominion in DS9 is although they look like humans, they're very much portrayed as like not being humans mm-hmm. and they don't really understand you hum- or solids as they call humans and mm-hmm. the other races, they don't understand them and they're at best trying to imitate them. And I think you could map a lot of that over onto the cloaker because they're sort of mm-hmm. they're imitating, like you say, perhaps something they've encountered or they've seen a garment, but mm-hmm. they don't really understand human or like sort of civilized society, for want of a better term. And they are these like alien creatures who are just sort of mimicking it to advance their own agenda.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Another thing I was thinking about, which was spurred on by looking at the Pathfinder book, is uh, the idea of it being like a parasite of some kind. Now. I like the idea of a creature, disguised guy as a cloak, but it doesn't make a lot of sense for an underdog creature or one that just, like, grabs its victims and kills them, like, instantly.
1: I was actually just thinking that this would make uh, quite an entertaining thing to do as a player character that's somebody with a cloaker on their back and the human body is irrelevant... Yeah. It's the cloaker that's the player character.
0: I mean, don't get me dang me wrong about that, that smacks a bit of the core cool powers wacky character for my taste. Oh yeah. I think in the right sort of game it could work. I mean, I, I think uh, as we're saying, like, it's not really supported in like the the sort of core DD, but let's face it, it doesn't really take much tweaking of the, the cloaker to imagine it as a parasite. I mean perhaps it mm-hmm. like it drains the character of like a little bit of like hit points or something or other every day but the host can use some of its abilities and i mean depending on the amount that's actually drained from the host it might be like a long-term partnership that goes on for a while i mean if you're okay you've got to get your cleric mate to like heal you a bit more often because like you're down a few hit points each day but if you get the ability to cause fear in your enemies and maybe like fly like a cloaker and like use its tail attack mm-hmm. you might think one well, or three hit points a day that's actually mm-hmm. like a bargain now using that idea i think you could also adapt the like sentient magic item rules in D. you know like occasionally like a, a sentient sword or whatever mm-hmm. or take over its wielder you could mm-hmm. do a similar sort of thing with a cloaker mm-hmm. or perhaps the cloaker like, absorbs the host's memories over time mm-hmm. sort of storing those that knowledge And you could then say maybe that's why they come together in the conclave because they all bring mm-hmm. all those memories of all the people they've been joined with and like share them out amongst all the other cloakers also give you some opportunity for some fun bait and switches i mean perhaps the pc's in your game hear about a pale figure wearing a flowing dark cloak who flies through the air always stays in the shadows and has been preying on the people of the town in the hours of darkness Mm -hmm. now most pc pcs are going to be like vampire but what if it's a person serving as a host for a cloaker perhaps the host under the direct control of the cloaker and like the host body's nearly used up that's why it's pale and the cloaker's using its pallid dying host to try and find another vessel. Or perhaps the host's done a deal with the cloaker, and by killing people, the cloaker feeds on them and not on him. And he's sort of like a, a devil's bargain sort of thing, and he gets the powers, and in return all he's got to do is like sacrifice like a few peasants or whatever to enable the cloaker to continue to feed. I think that could be an interesting way of using it. So have you got any other ideas for uh, cloakers, or oh, how you might like to use them in a game?
1: I don't know about in a game, but I'd love to make a prop of one. That's right up my alley, making like sewing up that sort of a raggy, gribbly thing
0: see, where it's half cuddly toy, half costume. See, I, I think it'd be funny as well. Like, and I don't know how you'd use this in the game. It's a bit of a dumb idea, but I think it'd be funnier if, like, when the um, the cloakers all like glommed together instead of being a big sphere, all the cloakers went together and they just made like a bigger, different item of clothing. <laughs> <laughs> so like all the cloakers get together in the Conclave and it's like a massive pair of trousers or something. All made up out of all these different cloakers, like patchwork together.
1: See, I was thinking of them more like assembling in a neat little
0: pinwheel and f- forming a gazebo. Or, or maybe they but, all yeah. get together and it's like a big patchwork quilt of like cloakers. Like I said, I don't know how you'd use that, but I think that that could be quite interesting. You could also go with the whole idea of if, uh, if you imagine like each cloaker as maybe being um, a part of like a bigger organism, maybe they also join together, and each cloak is like part of like the muscles of like a bigger creature
1: mm-hmm. that they
0: form together to make in a sort of like let's digivolve to our final <laughs> form, sort of styly. So, I think that could be interesting.
1: Mm.
0: Okay, so that's been our episode on the cloaker. We hope you've enjoyed it. If you've got any ideas on how you might use Cloakers in your games, any monsters you'd like us to look at in the future, or anything else you'd like to talk about in an episode, please get in touch. You can do so in a couple of ways. You can leave us a voicemail message using the SpeakPipe website. There's a link in the description of this show. Or you can send us an email to rddrpgpodcast at gmail.com. Until we see you next time, take care, stay safe, whatever you're playing, have fun.
1: Bye.